Welcome to Probably Bothered, the podcast that cuts through online business myths so that you can redefine your version of success. Because I believe if you aren't a little bit bothered, you probably aren't paying attention. We're all out here trying to build a business that is sustainable, a business that that meets our life, that, that supports our life. And I don't just mean revenue. I mean, in terms of time too, but have you asked yourself recently how you can create an impactful business, a business that makes a difference and inherently in serving others, we all do this, but I'm really excited for the conversation today with Andrina Sawyer. She is a consultant, a strategist, and a nonprofit founder who has created endless opportunities to help lift up women in business. Most of her consulting work is on the nonprofit side, and we have a really great conversation about how businesses, including solo entrepreneurs, can intentionally create impact in their business. So stay tuned for this episode because I learned a lot from her and I know you will too. This conversation is a little bit different than the ones that I typically have on Probably Bothered because our guest Andrina is a nonprofit expert. But I don't want you guys to tune out because I I know that we don't have a lot of nonprofits in the audience, which is fine. But at its core, nonprofits are a business. And that's something I'm super passionate about. Uh, this is a long intro, Andrea. I'm sorry. But <laughs> what I didn't tell you is I have a history in nonprofit. So I'm, I'm, we're here, we're right here and we're going to have a great conversation about this today, but I'm super excited to hear about the, uh, the work that you are doing in creating profitable businesses and in creating opportunities through a nonprofit lens for women in business. So welcome to Probably Bothered. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited um, to be on and to have this conversation. So my my passion is nonprofit. You know, I've spent a lot of my life, I started my first nonprofit when I was 15. So that's majority of my life in nonprofit work. Um, and then 11 years ago, I had this crazy idea to quit my job to become a consultant for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So I was working this, you know, steady job, local government had, you know, stability. And then all of a sudden I said, I think I want to own my own business, like a mm-hmm. maniac. <laughs> and what better way to own my own business than to do what I love doing, which is to help other people. And so I started a company called Perk Consulting, where we do strategic planning, capacity building support. Fast forward to uh, seven years later, I was still not satisfied. You know, my business was doing well, but I said, I'm helping other people build sustainable businesses. You know, they're scaling even well beyond where I was as a Mm -hmm. sole proprietor. I think I want to start my own nonprofit. And so I started McQuen, which is an initiative for women um, who want to start their own businesses. And that's been about four or five years up and running. So now I do consulting full time and I run a nonprofit full time. That's incredible. What I love about your story, and I've listened to you speak on a few podcast episodes, so let me be the expert on your story here. Um, no, but for real. what I love about your story is that you you have pivoted and you own those pivots. 
And I think a lot of times we are kind of fed the narrative that you have to be consistent and consistency wins. And if you're changing your mind all the time, people don't really know what you do or why they should come to you. Yeah. And, and so seeing those points where you, you took like a hard right or hard left and just owned it, that's something that I really enjoy about your story. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what your thoughts were in those moments of change. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I think there's a part of me that's maybe it's personality, temperament, that's not very like risk averse. Like I'm okay with Mm. risks. Yeah. So when I quit my job, that was probably the first hard turn that I did to start my business. And at the time, I'm going to age myself a little bit. I was, you know, 25. And literally the conversation I had in my head was, it's kind of a now or never I'm young, Mm -hmm. minimal responsibilities, getting these opportunities, um, and I could stay at this job and really enjoy it. You know, there was nothing wrong with the job or just take this leap of faith, time myself and say, I'm going to give myself a year. And if I fail, I fail. And I tuck my tail between my legs and I come running back and, you know, hopefully it it works out. Um, But the other times that I've pivoted, it's been the same kind of story where it's like, I'm either going to do this thing that I'm extremely passionate about, almost restless about, because that's how like, you know, that's how deeply I feel about the subject matter. I'm going to try it. And if I fail, I fail. Luckily, a lot of it has worked out. (laughs) Not, not, (laughs) it hasn't worked out smoothly the whole time. Um, But ultimately, you know, things kind of work out. And I think, unfortunately, that's what fuels you know, the pivots that come after. It's like every time I try something and it happens to just work out, I'm like, okay, I'll try it again. Um, So knock on wood, I'm hoping I don't hit that wall. (laughs) That completely scares me and says, don't take any more risks. Don't pivot anymore. (laughs) Um, But I think that's what life is about. I think it's about, you know, trying out things, not staying in the lane, not being boxed in. Well, and it's one of the things that's so beautiful about having your own business too, is that there are rules, but like, are there rules? I don't think that there really truly are at the end of the day. There are so many opportunities for us to explore new avenues or alter our messaging or alter offers and things of that nature. So who says we can't have these ideas and, and fully chase them? Yeah, that's so good. I, I was having a conversation with someone and they kept referring to me as a creative and I kept telling them, I'm not a creative. Like, I'm so not a creative. And mm-hmm. and ultimately, what they were trying to say was they think every entrepreneur is a creative yeah. because we get to just create things and do things. And sometimes the rest of the world doesn't see what we're doing and what we're trying to create and build. But we see it. And it's just like, as a business owner, it's just something that's kind of inherent in us where we're like, I see this thing. And I'm going to try it. And then maybe six years later, I'm going to try something else. Um, I think Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is that's about entrepreneurship that just really kind of sets us up for that kind of life. (laughs) I I don't know either, but I feel like everybody listening is resonating with this conversation right now. And I would I would say that's like 100 percent success rate. I'm a really big fan of making up statistics on my podcast. So it's like, I love it. It's the recurring joke, <laughs> I love it. but it's definitely a hundred percent. 
I'm a fan. <laughs> so I, I also, one of the things that I heard you mention, and I also heard you talk about on another podcast episode, and I was so intrigued by this conversation. So I'm bringing it in, even though the listeners don't know what's about to come. Uh, but I heard you talk about this idea of having a new thought, a new idea, a new something that you want to chase and the people in your life not understanding. Yeah. And the, like the inherent loneliness that comes with having this thing that no one really gets. Yeah. So I'd love to just pass the mic to you and hear you kind of talk about that concept. And then I'm sure I'll have more questions. (laughs) So there's this um, meme on social media that I used to see floating around a lot. And it says, first they laugh at you. Then they ask you how you did it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's such a like perfect summary of what the entrepreneurship journey is where you feel like a weirdo, for lack of a better word, when you're starting because you, you're you seeing the fruition of something that hasn't even started yet. Like it's not even tangible to anybody else. And so that's one part of the, the process that makes you seem insane because you're seeing something like having an invisible friend that's not there. Then the next part of it is you trying to convince people to have this buy-in to this thing that you believe in But they're looking through these critical lenses where they're like, how are you going to make money? That doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. And a lot of times it's like they don't even have like the full perspective. They don't have the experience. They don't have the expertise to track with you as you're trying to explain what it is that you're building. But we put so much like hope in, in what they're saying. And so when when there's a disconnect there, that amplifies the loneliness, You know, it's like the loneliness of starting and the loneliness of the lack of resources and the scarcity of things and the timing and all of that. And then it's amplified by the fact that nobody understands you like very little people, very few people understand. And sometimes and this has been not to I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But um, in my experience, sometimes that lack of understanding I have internalized as doubt. Hmm. that other people have doubted my ideas. And I don't obviously think that that's what they have meant. And it, it hasn't been like an active, that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah. But when it doesn't click, when you have this like excitement and you're like, I want to do this thing. And people in your life are like, why? Yeah. And, and you know what? I came to the realization one day where I was like, it's their job to ask why, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of it did make me doubtful and it made me scared I was very insecure when I started. Those first few years were hard because Pete, that was the, the default question. Why? Mm-hmm. How? And sometimes I didn't have the answers. You know, like I couldn't fully explain what my gut was telling me about this idea. Yeah. Um, I remember having a, a situation um, with my dad where mm-hmm. he was asking me legitimately like honest questions like, how are you going to pay for your bills? What about mm-hmm. health insurance? You know, all the things that come with <laughs> and I was so like angry at him because I thought he was being overly critical. And I just mm-hmm. said, you're supposed to be on my side. You're supposed to support me is what I was thinking in my head. And he just was trying to communicate that it's not a lack of support. He was giving me some constructive feedback, kind of navigating that. Like I was resentful for a little bit because mm-hmm. it was bad enough that strangers didn't believe. And now it's like my family didn't believe it. It just is it's lonely and it's hard to explain. And what I found is when you start getting that traction and you start showing some results, then all of a sudden, you know, people support you, but it's because they see that you're okay. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's because they see, okay, she they've they, seen the proof. Yeah. Then she's not completely crazy. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. a method to the madness. I think it must be, <laughs> this is a loosely characterized <laughs> statement. I, I think it must be a male thing because my husband is the same way. If I bring up a new thought or a new idea that I'm like, I'm going to do this in my business. <laughs> he's like, why would you want to do that? What's your plan for doing that? Yeah. And it's it's his it's his version of processing, right? Mm-hmm. And and like once he has the full picture, he's like, Yeah, you can do it. Sounds great. I'm on board. But like, I don't know. It took me a long time to adjust from that that first question of like why? Yeah. Cause it, cause it's not doubt, it's support. It's just the process that they have to go through to to catch up to you. You know what's funny? Like in my role as a consultant, that's what I do to people. I asked them why, how, what, you know, how do these two pieces fit? But I got so angry when other people would do it to me. Do you you have a new perspective on that now? I do. I do. (laughs) I'm a little more gracious, a little more patient because I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe part of it is they want me to talk it through. They want me to process as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But initially I was like, this is a lot of criticism. Like I don't need this energy in my (laughs) life right now. So I feel like the lesson learned seeing this this question of why from both perspectives is that, first of all, people aren't doubting you. But second of all, maybe it's that necessary step of because I think sometimes internally we get these ideas, we get these thoughts and we're like, well, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. That noise probably sounds terrible in everyone's earphones. So I'm sorry if you're listening. But, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, but, but do we ever stop and ask ourselves? why? What's the intention behind this? Why do I feel like this is the path that I need to take? Because I know for me personally, a lot of what I do in my business, it's a gut feel. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not like a person that processes my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I just know. I just, Mm -hmm. that's the way my brain works. It's like, this is the only option that I can take because it's right. And I know that it's right. Even if I don't know why it's right. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I'm the same exact way where I just, there's something about like your gut, your intuition, whatever you want to call it, that it's like, I have to trust it because some things are visualized and they're not Mm -hmm. reality yet. And so Mm -hmm. the only thing that's kind of guiding me is this vision and this gut feeling that it's going to work out. You know, like there's this gap that all of us as entrepreneurs have to travel where it's like the vision and then the manifestation of the vision. And a lot of times we don't have the tools or resources, but it's that gut that leads us to align those pieces. So I'm the same exact way. Yeah. Same exact way. <laughs> so there's a loose connection to where I'm taking this conversation. So I'm going to try try and bring you along with me. Okay. But I'm as I'm thinking of this idea of having a vision for your business, and we've talked about it in the frame of changing direction in a business that exists, mm. but also in the sense of a business that has yet to, been, to be created yet. This is where my brain is going. So one of the things that I noticed about you and what you have created is you have this corporate social responsibility element to your business. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pause and like loosely explain corporate social responsibility. If you guys are listening and aren't familiar with it, Um, it's basically the idea that companies have a responsibility to, to do good things, essentially, maybe not a responsibility, but an avenue for them to do good things. Yeah. 
A lot of times that looks like partnering with nonprofits, giving their employees volunteer opportunities, working on the sustainability or the greening of what they do. Um, this is very loose because this is not the point of the conversation, but just to make sure everyone's on the same page yeah. and feel free to add to the definition too, if, if you want. Um, but for me, as somebody whose background is in nonprofit and in corporate social responsibility, and then also, I'm sorry, this is a long question, no, but good. stick with me. It's actually stick a with me. definition, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so I have had conversations with other entrepreneurs that they started a business to do good because they had spent their careers in corporations where they didn't really feel like they were doing good for the people who needed it most. Yeah. And so I noticed this is, this is all of the things see when I told you that my thoughts go that fast, <laughs> that's all the things I thought in that split second. Um, what I noticed of course, is that you have this corporate social responsibility arm to your business. Yeah. So as a new business owner or somebody who is figuring things out yeah. and you want to give back, how do you recommend that solopreneurs are able to make an impactful choice with their business or kind of bring that thought process in when they're not a huge corporation? Yeah. And and this is the thing. I, I'm not a huge corporation. Right. You know, in a lot of ways, even though it's been 11 years, I still function as a startup. I think there's something about that culture that's very just appealing to me. Um, but to your question, I think there are two parts of this, right? I think the first part about it is knowing what you're passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. And giving yourself permission to incorporate that passion and allowing it to be a passion, not just for profit's sake. Like, so like indulge, like do things, experiment with that passion in a way that brings you fulfillment, um, does greater good for everyone else. And you don't have to worry about necessarily monetizing your passion. Now, some of us get really lucky and we can monetize our passion, um, but I'll, I'll tell you an example of what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. And the second part, um, my advice to, to someone who's starting is to allow your creativity to flow. Um, so when I started, I'm an immigrant from Sierra Leone, Freetown, Sierra Leone. Went to Howard University for undergrad. When I got to Howard University, I was told that I was not eligible for financial aid because I wasn't a U.S. citizen at the time. So long story short, I really struggled through college. Right. So I was on a dean's list all four years and I was able to get like partial scholarships from different departments. And that's how I paid for college. So when I started my consulting practice, I started the next gen scholarship and it was a thousand dollars a year to an immigrant student that wanted to get, you know, higher education. And, you know, I thought about it in the grand scheme of things, a thousand dollars when you're paying thirty thousand dollars tuition might not be a huge deal but it might take care of your books for a semester. Mm -hmm. And so part of my creativity, you know, to kind of connect the dots here was figuring out like, how do I make an impact in this small way that was still aligned with like my business goals, which was to help organizations and help nonprofits and help people, but mm -hmm. still kind of indulge this passion and not like limit this and think it's something that I had to do outside of perk consulting. Like, so my company decided that we would just sponsor a student a thousand dollars a year. Um, and so that, you know, that's my example. I was a solopreneur when I started to do that. 
it wasn't something that was going to be a huge burden for me because I was a struggling, you know, uh, startup entrepreneur. But I knew over the course of the year through a fundraising event or through donations that I solicited from even my clients or just profits, you know, when it was time to, to do our books, we could afford that. So mm-hmm. it looks different for everyone, but tap into that creativity and figure out like what is my passion and how can I do it without feeling like I have to profit from it. Yeah. Just out of the goodness of my heart. Absolutely. And it could be the the donation of your time for your your expertise as yep. well, no matter what type of business that you've created. Um, but I love the way that you brought your own personal story into the decision that you had made to help somebody else achieve higher education. So um, I think we see a lot of examples of these really big sweeping gestures, Mm -hmm. right? Especially Mm -hmm. from corporations, but even sometimes from entrepreneurs who are a little bit further along in their journey than we might find ourselves. And so I love the advice to just get creative and start from what you can do. And of course, you never want to do this at the expense of being able to make a profit or put food on your own table. And those sorts of considerations had to be to be made, but to be able to do what you can when you can. Absolutely. It's like the simplest definition. And I love that you even gave that example of not having it be financial. I've seen companies where as a team, they might do like a March of Dimes or AIDS walk or, you know, Mm -hmm. serve together on um, like on a Saturday, you know, where they just go to the soup kitchen or something like that. I've seen uh, organizations for profit businesses do that. So sometimes it is just our time. Um, Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about business and creativity is even though you're doing it selflessly, it can become part of your brand story where you are, you know, very uh, philanthropic and you're community minded and you give back and that's what your company is known for. So either way, it's like a Mm win-win. Yeah, absolutely. So I know there are a number of people in the audience who are business owners, not really nonprofit, so to speak, or they might not know a lot about that space. So I'd love to just share a little bit about nonprofit with them, because whether you are interested in working with one through your business or starting one of your own, I think there are a few misconceptions, um, namely to summarize with a lot of hyperbole that nonprofits aren't a business. So I'd love to hear your take on kind of creating a a healthy nonprofit and working with them in a way that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's actually one of the more common questions I get is like, how do you run a nonprofit? And my answer to that is always you treat your nonprofit as if it is a for profit because it literally has all the elements Um, And really the main difference is why you exist. So nonprofits exist to do good for the community or to do good for in a greater sense. For profits Mm -hmm. exist for profit. Um, But all of the other elements like the business development processes, your capacity building and strategic planning processes, those are the same. Takes money to run a nonprofit. Um, takes money to run a business, takes staff, takes capacity, all of those things. Um, so that's the first thing, the first misconception we have to clear up. The second misconception is that people think that if you go into nonprofit, you're bound to be like 
destitute and poor, (laughs) (laughs) a servant to the world. Uh, And while most people, I think, who go into nonprofit are kind of like, like they have that posture of service. Yeah, like we don't go into it for the money, but there is a lot of money in nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Um, It turns out, though, that a lot of that money is going to be like public dollars as opposed Mm -hmm. to money that you generate for yourself. Um, One of the more interesting things was COVID, right? So, I I mean, outside of it being the pandemic, like for nonprofits, because there was so much money that was available for nonprofits. And Mm -hmm. we're talking like five-figure, six-figure grants that usually are very strict in how, you know, funders award these grants. All of a sudden, it became emergency money just for for for-profits. So I was getting clients who were saying, you know, look, I'm really interested in trying to figure out how I'm going to sustain myself because I really want to do good. I want to help people over this period. And we would do a simple application. And before you knew it, they were getting awarded these funds. And I'm always like ethically, right? I had a little dilemma where I was like, where's all this money coming from? Mm -hmm. Because after working with nonprofits for so many years, funding is a recurring issue. And usually funders are going to say you have to fill out this 30 page application. There are reporting requirements that are intimidating. You have to make sure you're in good standing with the state and with the IRS. There are all these restrictions. Um, But what COVID definitely confirmed for me and what I've been trying to tell people for forever is that there's money out there. Mm-hmm. In nonprofit, you just have to know how to look for it and you just have to make sure that your organization is positioned to receive it um, because it's out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also the thing that I heard in that story is how much paperwork and process can slow down the getting the money to the people who need it, who are able to do great things with it. Yep. Yep. And that that's one of the more intimidating parts of funding for nonprofits, because it's not a, there's not a scarcity of dollars. It's just, I think there's a, there's a lot of misinformation information And Mm -hmm. a lot of like disconnect between the organizations that really need it and the funders. Um, Unfortunately, I think a lot of large corporations, large nonprofits that have access to grant writers and, Mm -hmm. you know, private search engines and things like that, like databases and listservs, they know where the money is. Right. But they also have these robust like donor engagement strategies, these huge special events that are all bringing in money because every nonprofit should have several streams of revenue. Right. But then you have these small organizations that are doing grassroots work. And because they can't afford an in-house grant writer, you have the executive director applying for this 30 page grant who can take two to three months, and then you have a turnaround of maybe six months from the time the application is approved to actually receiving the money. And mm-hmm. all of that is just overwhelming and intimidating for a lot of uh, nonprofit leaders. Yeah. The money is there though. So on the side of the conversation of if you are an individual or a business owner who wants to start working with a nonprofit in some way, whether it's a volunteering or donating a portion of your revenue, or there's so many ways for us to, to partner, even if you're not at the point where you want to create one, but you want to, you can kind of loop into this in between of there are already good people doing good work. So how do you support them to do it? Um, how do you as an individual understand 
nonprofits and and which one is the right one to work with? And the mm. reason I'm asking this question is because I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about nonprofits, specifically about the like overhead number. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you don't have the background, if you don't have the experience and the expertise to essentially audit a nonprofit to make sure it's one that you feel comfortable partnering with, yeah, how do you go about that process? Yeah. So to, to those people, I would say th- the benefit of being nonprofit or tax exempt is that the IRS says you have to disclose everything, right? Like to a much, you're, you're held to a much higher standard of, of transparency than for mm-hmm. profits. So like if you go to the IRS website, you can look up a nonprofit. If it's legitimate, you can look up their 990, which is their mm-hmm. annual tax form, right? And through that, you'll get to see what people are making, where their funding is coming from. But then there are also a couple of other um reputable uh, platforms that are tracking nonprofits to, to make sure that they're being transparent. So you have Charity Navigator, for example, and GuideStar. GuideStar is like one of my favorite platforms <laughs> because you can see the history and they yeah. actually will rate a nonprofit based on their performance and transparency. Um, I think it's like gold, silver, and there's a third category, which is probably platinum. I don't want to assume, but they'll rate the organization based on that, you know, their performance and transparency. So to the person who's looking to get some information, just do some research. And nonprofits, to get be tax exempt, we have to disclose everything. Um, if you have one that's really organized, nine times out of 10, they'll probably also have an annual report that's public records on their website or via newsletter or something. So you can always just um, connect with them on social media or on their website to make sure that you have access to those types of reports as well. Um, I think that's the best way to start. If you're looking to volunteer, another one of my favorite platforms is Volunteer Match. Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients who can't afford staff are strictly volunteer-ran, they get all of their team members from Volunteer Match. Even the nonprofit that I'm working with now, we have two in-house volunteers that are have been with us for a little bit. Um, and these are not just intermittent volunteers who do registration at an event, but we have people who do social media because they have five hours a week that they're willing to just support a nonprofit yeah. with, 10 hours a week. Retired people, graduate students who are looking for credit for a class. Um, so there are so many ways to like research an organization um, beyond just maybe social media and website. Uh, but you have to do the research and then plug in um, to them. Yeah. And if, if you're thinking about getting into nonprofit, um, one resource I recommend is the Foundation Center. Like they offer classes from how to register to how to write a grant to how to build a volunteer program. Yeah, and it's, you know, nationally known. So we're held to a high standard. So I would say take advantage and research. Yeah. <laughs> research well, organizations. And that's the incredible thing is that all of the information is out there. And it's just like anything. If you're if you're willing to spend a little bit of time and uncover the, the things that you're looking for. Um, but I, that would be my recommendation, I would mm-hmm. say. I think there are there are things that you can uncover about organizations that a 20 minute Google search will get you. And then you feel a lot more comfortable kind of tying your name and your company to that organization because you know how they're spending money, what they're doing with their mission and the impact that they have. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. And it's even from the registration process, it looks different. When a for-profit registers, there's state documents and, you know, there's IRS, EIN, tax ID, all of that. But when you are a nonprofit, you have to apply for what's called a 1023. And Mm -hmm. this is essentially you saying to the IRS, look, if at any point you want to audit, if at any point you want to just disclose any of my information for the benefit of this tax exemption that you're offering me, I will allow the public to own me, so to speak. You know, like I'm at mm-hmm. the, the mercy of the public because that's who's funding me and that's who's supporting me. Um, those aren't the IRS's words, <laughs> but that's what I think it says. It's like, we're at your mercy because you're giving us this great big benefit of getting these exemptions, um, yeah. you know, when it's tax tax time. Is it like how I make up statistics? You make up what the IRS says? <laughs> yes! <laughs> And hopefully no IRS agents are listening. <laughs> it's a paraphrase. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I think we're at the point in the episode where I ask my favorite question, which is what bothers you? What would you like to see in this space, whether it's for-profit, non-profit, change for the better? Fairness. Fairness. Yeah. yeah, I attended a workshop last night, a webinar on mental health and mental, mm-hmm. yeah, mental health awareness. And she had us write down, like, what makes you angry? And I immediately wrote, injustice. And I think she was expecting me to go really deep and talk about, like, some serious issues. And the first thing that came to mind was when I was a kid at the lunch table and people mm-hmm. would bully kids. And I was mm-hmm. like, whether it's that or whether it's something really, really, you know, egregious, like, I just hate people being unfairly treated. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you, you, you can expand on this a lot more with the work that you do with your nonprofit as well. Um, but that's one of the things that I have noticed in this space too, is that a lot of times we see these really big successes and we don't know like the starting place. We don't know where that person is starting from. And it's not something that's always really talked about. And so I think along the lines of fairness, what, what that means to me is like, obviously the world is never going to be a place where everyone has the exact same house, the exact same amount of money. Like that is not the world. That's not the world. That's not the way that the world works. Yep. But But being able to understand and see yourself in the examples Mm -hmm. that are out there of people who come from a similar place that you do. And uh, I don't like how I'm going with this because I don't mean that like if you come from a certain place, everyone's going to have the same outcome. That's not what I'm trying to say either. But But I'm tracking with you and I agree. It's just not it's just not life today. It's not life in this economy and not even just on this side of the world. It's just human nature for us not to all get along and to get the same things. We don't all have the same work ethic. Um, I think that that's one issue, but it's another to just like maliciously just go after people. Like I literally in my mind, I remember an incident at lunch in junior high school where it's like this one kid was being picked on all the time and not allowed to sit at the table. And I'm just like, that's so, you know, so yes, there are high level, you know, forms right. of injustice, but even at that level, it's just so you're mean. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that's really the takeaway from the conversation is 
take a second if you're listening to look around you and and really really notice these things right whether it's whether it's just the kid bully at the not just I don't want to diminish that experience whether it's the kid bully at the lunch table or it's something else that you're noticing and and figure out how within your scope of comfort yeah. and safety what you're willing to to do to right that wrong absolutely I, I agree I agree yeah and if if not write it just do better yeah know? change it for the for the better the next time yeah all right well on that note, I know that you have a really great consultation call that you wanted to chat about. And um, if you could tell everyone where they can find you online and all that good stuff. Sure. So our main website is perkconsulting.net. And then my personal website is andrinasawyer.com. But if you go to perkconsulting.net, we do offer a free 30-minute consultation. So anyone that's interested in starting a nonprofit or maybe uh, talking about your for-profit idea, uh, we'd love to to help with that, um, specifically with strategic planning and capacity building services. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andrina, for coming on. Probably bothered today and sharing all of your insight and your expertise and, of course, your time. Thank you for having me. Wow. The conversation that we had about the gap that that entrepreneurs face between the vision that you have and the vision manifesting and all of those feelings of loneliness and doubt that come with it. I I know that that resonated with me and those are definitely feelings that I have had and conversations that I have had as well. And I'm just left thinking after this episode, how can we as entrepreneurs better understand that gap and leverage it to support each other through this journey that we're all on. I am curious to hear your thoughts on this episode, and I know Andrina is too, so her Instagram is in the episode notes. Feel free to reach out to either of us with your thoughts. I can't wait to hear them. All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode. As always, if you resonated with this conversation, if you would like to pass it along to a friend, I would be endlessly grateful. And if you want to subscribe or leave a review as well, that would make my day. It would make my week, if we're being honest. Until next week, this was Probably Bothered.